Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, RenewalChicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Some great worship right there. Again, my name is Tony Dentman. I work with the young adults and the college students at the church. I'll be preaching today. Pastor Derek Puckett is actually out of town. He's with one of our partner churches in Nigeria. And in the city that he's in is actually one of the largest cities in Africa. The fastest city growing in the, the world, a super city. Two million people. And your tithes and your offer goes to partner churches like that. And we have a vision of making disciples all across the world. Uh, so today he's preaching there, working with one of the partner churches, and we're excited about that. But for today, you get me, man. You get me. So um, before I get started, I'd like to do tithes and offering. Every Sunday, we challenge you guys just to give to the Lord. Uh, you give to him. If it's your first time, we say just try him. Give your tithes to him. Plant a seed into his kingdom. And if you have been given, we challenge you to faithfully tithe 10%. And those who've been faithfully tied 10%, we challenge you to just continue to give up and be on to the Lord. Uh, so you can give online, you can give through text, and you can give today with cash or check. So you guys can come down. But again, my name's Tony Dittman. I'm getting excited about uh, really just talking to you guys about what I learned in this month studying this text. We're going to be going from Matthew 6, 5 through 15. So go ahead and flip there. Um, Matthew 6, 5 through 15. We're still in the Sermon of the Mount, and we're going to keep chugging along. And today we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I get excited about that. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. When you get it, please stand, those who are able. We're going to read together. Matthew 6, 5, 1 through 15. All righty. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and at the street corners, and they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not leap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be their name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive others debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, their trend trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others of their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses this is the word of God let's pray dear God we just come to you today just begging you to speak to us and we didn't all heard this prayer and this sermon been preached multiple times but I gotta pray that you show us a fresh new look at your word a fresh new look at prayer just open my eyes and our eyes to your word. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys may take a seat. I was thinking, my pastor gave me the text. It's like, you're going to preach on, on the, 
the Lord's Prayer. I'm like, man, everybody didn't heard that a million times. You know, we've been saying that since we was kids. He said at the sports games, your grandma taught you when you popped out of the wounds. Like, everybody know this. Like, man, there's nothing new I can teach them about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and then I start studying text, and I just learned so much. So uh, hopefully you learned something. But I just start thinking about the world that we live in today. I think there's two realities that our culture is becoming like, man, we want more self-revelations. And you can see that through the yoga classes uh, and tennis going up. You can see that doing, man, even the diets. Um, man, me and my wife just did the whole 30 uh, last month. And you continue, it's like, man, we're trying, to, we're trying to find out who I truly am. I'm trying to get to the, the best of me. Um, and then there's, there's also a reality that, man, divine revelation is actually increasing our society. People may be going to church less, but, dude, the religions are, are still growing. Like the new age religion, I mean, it's booming now. That's a new religion. You know, people say religion is something of the old. It's becoming really new. Times wrote an article. It's like, hey, the new cult in America is CrossFit and yoga classes and Orange Theory and all those places where people are looking for something more. Um, about, about two months ago, man, I was stressed out, you know, and reading an article. And it was like, hey, do what the athletes are doing. They all downloading this app, like Calm and on these like meditation apps. And I was like, man, let me try this meditation. Everybody you talk to is like, man, meditation is where it's at right now. You know, it's like, man, that's, that's a form of, of people looking for something more. Um, so, and we just start connecting it, man. God has given us a very clear uh, principle, a very clear tool. I mean, that answer the self-revelation, that answer the divine revelation, and it's through prayer. And I would like to look at that today and convince you guys it to be true. It's like, man, prayer is kind of like marriage, you know? Um, man, it's fun in the beginning, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you can't get enough of each other, you know? Uh, you don't know what you're doing, but you're loving it, you know what I mean? You know, and you can't get enough of it. Um, that's just like marriage. Like, like, it's fun. It's just new. But over time, you know, man, if you're not working and cultivating uh, a good relationship, it get boring. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying like, like prayer. I remember when I first became a Christian, I, I stayed up all night talking to God. Then he know, I didn't even know what I was talking about and who I was talking to. I remember the guy who led me to the Lord. I came into the room. I was like, man, I've been praying. And man, I, I started thinking about it. I only pray to Jesus. Like, I feel like I'm leaving out the Father and the Holy Spirit. You think God cool with that? He's like, man, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was praying all the time. You know, I didn't know the principles, the, but I love praying. Um, but over time, man, you catch your boy now. I be praying, man, wife be praying. I know, falling asleep in the middle of prayer now. It's like, man, if you're not cultivating and working hard to it, it's like marriage. You can just coast by and you're in a distant and, and something that was so normal, just hanging out and talking can be something so hard. So, um, Man, I just hopefully that as we go through this, we see the importance of prayer and that we can leave the service just with a whole new mindset and heart towards prayer. So um, just going to dissect it verse by verse. But I broke it up into the gospel of prayer, the good news of prayer. And Jesus literally taught his disciples how to pray. And when you look at it, you see the good news all up in it. And every time you look at the good news, you see God for who he is and you see yourself for who you are. And the first section that you see is, the heavenly father. And then you see yourself as a child. He said, hey, don't pray like the, the hypocrites. And Derek talked about hypocrite last week. Hypocrites are those who put on this mask and they two-faced. You know, they, they act one way with the mask on and act a completely different way with the mask off. And God said, don't pray like them. Because they come to the synagogues. They, they come to the street corners. Man, they saying all these eloquent words and they looking really good. Um, they're serving the people publicly. But man, behind closed doors, 
I don't really talk to Jesus. I don't really have a relationship with God. It was all for reward of looking good, but it was so inconsistent um, with the relationship with God. Um, they were seeking something, and it wasn't God. And that's so often, I, I can see that in my life. It's like, man, hypocrites. Like, one way you really know if you're really a hypocrite when it comes to prayer is when your prayer is not answered. You know, man, you're praying for that promotion, and God will give you that promotion. You see, man, you, the prayer wasn't about you having a, a deep, intimate conversation with God. It was about you getting what you want. You don't get that promotion. You know, it's like, man, that... That exam that you failed and you prayed all night because you didn't you you procrastinated that high time to study and you don't good good and you frustrated with God, that's evident that man, it wasn't about an intimate relationship with God. You you wanted something to return and that's what he's saying. Hypocrites just inconsistent. Um, but then he also say, don't be like the the Gentiles. Gentiles, they talking to God, they saying a lot of words. Y'all know how it is when you meet somebody for the first time. You go to a wedding, you go to your friend wedding, and then you hanging out with with people at the wedding you don't know. And it's like, I got to kind of talk to them because they important to the people I came with. So I got to make up this conversation. It's just awkward. You know, man, you, you say the wrong stuff. You, you talking too much. You asking a million questions just to get this mug going because you don't have a relationship. But go hang out with your best friend from out of town. Man, y'all get it going just like that. Uh, it's natural. And even sometimes with a close relationship, I know my real homies because I'm not a talker. My wife, she, 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 she has learned to adapt to this. Sometimes I just want to ride, and I'm cool with you just being there. I just want to be in your prison, but I don't really want to talk. Like, you only can do that with your homies, like the people you close with. You can't just ride with no stranger in silence. Like, everybody start geeking out and paranoid, you know? But that's what he's saying. The Gentiles, they don't really have a relationship with God, so they just talking and just saying all these things, um, and they're far from God. Those are two prayers that God don't really um, like, and it comes down to, man, those who really come to him just for things and those who come to him and don't really know who he is. True Christianity is evident through a father's relationship with his adopted um, son. Uh, I heard in a couple of sermons, as I was just studying the text, it's like, man, when you're dealing with a king, if a son just shows up 3 a.m. in the morning, he hops in the bed, he wakes up his, his daddy, who is the king, you know, it's like, this is son. Like, go back to your room or... You, you slide over the, the sheets and invite him to come in and cuddle with you, you know? I mean, it's your son. But let any other citizen or servant wake up a king at 3 a.m. and jump in his bed. There's going to be consequences and repercussions. It's all about the relationship here. That's the only thing that's different. They did the same exact thing. But, man, because of the relationship, and that's what Jesus is hitting on right here, because of our relationship with the Father, man, we get access to this king, this God, on a whole other level. And, and we really need to dig into that. But one of my favorite um, movies, Denzel, my dude, y'all. I love me some Denzel. Anything Denzel, I'm watching, y'all, man. And I'm always going to like it because I like Denzel, you know, man. But the best movie by Denzel, y'all, is John Q. Anybody seen John Q out there, man? Anybody seen John Q? You know, man? Hey, John, John Q is where it's at, y'all. I'm telling y'all. Like, go home, watch it today. Um, bleep out the cuss words and all that. There's a few of them in there. But, dude, it's an amazing movie. The cool thing about the movie is, I'm going to um, tell you a little bit, spoil a little bit. So, Denzel, he got a son. And his son needs a heart transplant. So, he's about to die. They go with the insurance company, insurance company, tell them, hey, we can't cover it. Then they go to the hospital. They're about to get a donor. And then they change the plans in the last minute. And Denzel, John Q, is on his last leg. He's like, man, forget this. So, he locks up the hospital. He put 
chains on the doors and everything. He, get, he grabs his guns. He shows up to the hospital. And he said, hey, I'm not leaving here until my son has a heart. And then they get around, and, and there's nobody um, that actually can give a heart. And then there's a moment in the scene. And he say, he's talking to the doctor, and the doctor's like, hey, man, there's nothing we can do. In order for your son to get a heart, somebody must die. And Denzel's like, man, he cocks the gun. He put it up to his head. He said, I guess it got at me because I'm going to die for my son. And I was like, man, that's kind of one of the best pictures I think about a father's relationship. His son never asked for the heart. His son never asked for daddy to do all these things. But because he loved his son so much, I man, he was willing to do whatever it takes so his son to get a heart. And dude, that's just a, that's a Hollywood pictures of a father's love right there. But dude, what we have experienced through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, man, that, that, that endless pursuit of love from God, oh my gosh. Now, there's no comparison. So um, just understanding that passage right there and just understanding the father love, it lines up everything else in this passage when Jesus talks about it. So let's go to the next verse. And he's talking about hallowed be thy name. And I was like, man, I've been praying this prayer for probably the last 18 years. And I was like, I don't even know what hollow really mean, to be honest with you. Um, start Googling hollow. And hollow is just the ultimate supreme, um, just reverence, absolute number one in your life. Uh, it's just hollow, be your name. So, I mean, I want your name to be supreme and absolute, better than everything in my life and in the world. And I just put right there, it's like, man, a holy God and then a worshiper. Because God is high, lifted above. His ways is higher than our ways, just as the heavens are higher than the earth. And do we get to worship him. That as we fall in love with him and we praise him for who he is and we adore him for who he is, we start to find out who we are uh, when we truly do um, worship God. I said there's three realities of worship. Transformation. And the Bible says it in Psalms 15, 8, that we become like what we worship. Um, some of us worship Monday, and I have at some point too, that you start identifying yourself as a dollar sign. You walk into a room, you see people as, as partners, you see people as customers, you see people as, as competitors and things like that. It's like you start to see the world different because you worship money. Uh, you put value on people based off of how much they're worth. Uh, if you worship money, you will become like the principle that comes along with money. And the same thing with sex, that you'll start seeing people as objects to be used just for self-gratification and so on. But if we worship God, if we worship God, then we'll be transformed into his image. And that's what his desires ultimately be. Worshiping God is about his glory. But dude, that's a benefit behind worshiping God that is, that's an amazing thing. But then, so transformation is number one, but I'll just say, expressment of joy. You see Psalms 32, 25. Is that there is nothing on earth that I desire but you. And as we enjoy God, that makes, that makes everything else just fall in line. Um, that's what I think about. Meditation. I ain't saying you can't meditate. I ain't saying you don't need to go to a council. I don't say you need it. I ain't saying you're not supposed to have a good diet and things like that. But there is a reality that if you get the main thing right, man, worshiping God, things just start to fall in place, y'all. Um, I can download that app and meditate for the next 24 hours and do that ain't going to fix my problem. That man, I was created to worship God. Uh, and in him will I find my true enjoyment. So I think it's pretty cool. He's like, man, hallowed be his name. And man, we're called to, to bring worship to God all throughout the earth. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's evident in the passage before that. He's like, 
the hypocrites, they, they worship God publicly. We just worship God together, corporate worship. Some of y'all like, man, y'all look like y'all be getting it in, you know what I mean? Like, but that don't really mean nothing. That's public church worship, you know what I mean? What really matters is when you go home. It matter, it matter what, you, what you do in your, in your prayer room. Because that's the real test of Christianity right there. That's a real test of relationship with God. Um, you can see me open up the door for my wife. You can see me put on Instagram that I, I take her out on a little date night and everything. But really what matters is, man, when we're at home by ourselves, man, how am I really treating her? It's really a real test of our marriage. Um, and he said, man, the hypocrites, they don't really want a relationship with God behind closed door. They just want other people to see. Uh, true worship is a private thing. Like, it's really measured on a private level. It's expressed publicly, but if you don't got it privately, man, um, you, got a, you got a real issue. So, but a holy God and worshipers, man, that's the good news right there. But the next one is the king and ambassador. Your kingdom come is what we're talking about. Your kingdom come. Um, it's, a, it's a good phrase. And when I look at it, it's a perfect picture of, of just heaven. I mean, you think about where God's kingdom is absolute 100% uh, on reign. It's heaven. The angels are worshiping God. They're walking in absolute obedience to God. And they say, man, we're supposed to pray that this would be true in our life. Um, your kingdom come is about Christ rule being established on earth. And the first place, it has to happen in our own heart. And it's about a loyalty to this, this kingdom. And I think about the fact that we get to be ambassadors. That God desires that man, that all people are ushered into his kingdom. Um, the kingdom has come, therefore repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And that needs to happen to us on a personal level. But your kingdom come is, man, we get to be ambassadors to go out and usher people into the kingdom. Ambassador somebody to just represent the king. We get to tell people about this amazing love. We get to tell these people about a king that will reign and he will protect you. And he's in charge of all things and he will love you um, despite who you are, where you come from and what you have done. Uh, we get to go about being ambassadors uh, of this God. And I think about the next one when it says that the will be done. And it's connected to uh, the kingdom in my mind. Uh, your will be done. Start looking through it. And I put it in simple forms. All these theologians got big words for understanding God's will. Let's say you can break it down into three ways. Uh, the first way is is God's sovereignty, but I say God's control, absolute control. I need my C's. And then um, his absolute control. So you can say his will can be broken down to three ways. One day, God controls everything. So if it's his will that something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, it was his will to create the earth. It happened. It's his will that Jesus Christ was going to come to earth. It happened. It's Jesus Christ will return. It happens. Like, like when he will for something, there's nothing that can stop it. So that's one kind of will. Like, hey. It, it, is, it is guaranteed to happen. He is in control. And then the next one is, I put it into um, his command. So, got another C, control, command. It's like, man, he commands you to do something. Like, it is his will that you do this. Um, and we see that all throughout scripture. The cool thing about the command is like, hey, it's really not guaranteed that you're going to do it. Not everybody who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but those who actually does the will of the Father. So, God commanded us to love our neighbors. God commanded us to worship him. God commanded us not to steal, kill, and all those good things. Um, that is his will. 
that if those things happen on earth, man, we got a beautiful place. Uh, but we get the option of acting in his will when it comes to that. Um, and the next one, I put, they call it the disposition. I don't really like the word, so I said cheer. It really just really means that, man, the God's desire uh, and God's, it pleases the Lord. So one example is 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It says, it is God's will um, that none shall perish, that all should turn from their wicked ways. Um, we see throughout scripture that everybody is not going to turn from their wicked ways. So that's why you got control and then you got his desire. But we get to play a part in all of those wills right there. Um, and the best verse that I was like, man, I always be searching, just like, God, just give me like the cookie cutter answer on just life. Just give me something that just like sum up everything. If I could just put all three of those will, his control, um, his command, and his cheer all together uh, into one. It's just like, it's absolutely true that all of this exists in this one verse. I found in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. And it says, it is God's will that you shall be sanctified. Like, like that's every last one of y'all. You want to know what God's will in your life? This this absolute, that you be sanctified. That you be sanctified literally means that you are transforming to the image of Christ. Like that, that is God's will for you 100%. Um, and the cool thing about that, and I say that all three of them connect, it's going to happen. So it's, it's part of his control, his sovereignty. Uh, he commanded it. So be holy as I'm holy. So he told you to do that. And the last one, and then it brings some great joy that you be transforming to the image of um, Christ. So, um, you walk out of here simple. Write that on your, your door. Put that right before your, your gas tank. Put it everywhere in your life. It is God's will for my life for me to become like Christ. Like, and when you look at the life of Christ, man, it's holistic. So um, that's clear throughout Scripture. Um, and we're supposed to pray that to be true in our life. Um, we're supposed to pray that his kingdom come. We're supposed to pray that his will be done perfect in our life that you become one of the holiest people on earth. That's, that's God's will. I mean, like, to be just like Christ. And also to draw other people into that because it's his kingdom and it's reigning all throughout earth. So the first three was pretty clear that they're focused on, on God himself, but you also get a benefit when you see God. And the last three are going to be focused on more of us. So going ahead and he say. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, we got God as our ultimate provider. And we just bless people that benefit from this great God. And it's like our daily bread. And they're connected to the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you got the Israelites after they get out of Egypt, they're walking out in the desert. And they're complaining about, oh, man, we hungry. So God fixed that problem. He just dropped bread out of the sky. You know, they wake up in the morning, they got bread, daily bread. Like, you got what you need. Stop complaining, you know. He said, man, I will provide for you your daily bread, your daily need, provision for now. And I was like, man, I, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. I grew up low-income housing. But I'm being honest, like, we ain't never really had days where I was, like, worried about starving to death. Like, like we grew up low, below poverty line in St. Louis. But it was never a day that I really worried about starving to death. I'm just, so I can't really connect with the text. I'm pretty sure most people in this room can't connect with the text. Like, like God, 
really begging God that he actually feed us some bread today. Like, just, just give me my bare minimum need to stay alive. Uh, I can't really relate uh, to the passage right there. And then I started thinking, about and this is the most convicted thing about the passage. is like, because most of my prayers is talking about, hey, tomorrow. <laughs> most of my prayers are talking about, like, when I'm 65 years old. I'm praying for my 401k. I'm praying for my IRA. I'm praying for, like, I'm praying for my, my down payment for my second condo. Like, those are the things that I'm praying for. I'm not praying for God to provide my need right now. And I was like, man, there's something to it. You look at, in Psalms, well, Proverbs, one of the Proverbs say, hey, God, don't give me too less that I don't steal from you, but don't give me too much that I'm rich and I turn away from you. And it's like, man, I'm on the second end. I'm not worried about stealing. I'm worried about stacking up my cheese so that I can live in luxury and, and not have to depend on God. Uh, and that was the most convicting thing. It's like, he's not telling me to pray for them all. And then you see later on in Matthew 6, it's like, man, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you. The birds don't have to worry about what they're going to eat today. The flowers and the lilies don't worry about they, how they eat. Like, worry about God now. Um, and dude, it's something about a life where you really just depending on God daily, where you truly get to experience who he is. Um, God is our provider on our physical needs. And I was thinking, man, the reason I'm on a whole 30 is because of, I ain't been trusting in this verse right here. I'm eating more than I'm supposed to be eating. You know, it's like, like it is what it is uh, in reality. So, but that's, that's just the truth in the matter right there. It's like, ah, oh, man, God, huh? I say my same prayer when I'm blessing my food. You know, you're talking about not prayer, just repetition. I'm saying, God, please bless the food I'm about to eat. Amen. You know, it's like, and I don't even mean it. But man, just imagine if I really went to God's like my daily need. My daily need is, I need that Holy Spirit to guide me today. Like, I need that Holy Spirit to, to make me not punk out from having a gospel conversation. Like, I need that Holy Spirit to, to help me love my wife like she's supposed to be loved. You know, it's like, man, those are things that I need to be praying for, a daily provision for me. So, um, the next one forgive us of our debtors and I got to this point and I was like man I actually started studying the text I'm like man I've been praying this passage wrong all my life y'all <laughs> like I've been praying it wrong my grandma told me uh, um, transgressions right there forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us and I was like maybe it was in the King James that's what she'd been reading you know I checked that mug out. It said debtors too. And I'm like, man, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer wrong all my life. That is messed up. I found out this week. I was like, dang, God, please forgive me. Uh, you know, but I started studying like, man, what are they talking about debtors? Because I really don't understand that. And back in the day, that man, when you went into debt, the king would throw you in prison. Like, like there was a, a debtor's prison. Or you will be enslaved until, um, until you pay it off. Like, there was consequences for going into debt. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of clicking that. But then I was like, trespasses make more sense, though. Like, I understand why they, they swapped it. Because trespasses is personal. Like, somebody coming to my, my house, breaking, entering, and steal my stuff. Oh, yeah, like, like I feel that. Like, that, make me, that make me a little angry right there. Debtor in the United States is like, man, my mama filed for bankruptcy. It's like, it ain't. We're getting real debt. Our country in debt. It's like, it ain't that big of a deal. We got bailout plans, you know? But trespasses, like, man, it ain't no bailout plan when you come in and you steal my TV. It's like, when you, anybody ever had a house been broken into? Anybody, boy, it messed you up mentally. You mad at people that you don't even know. 
just because, man, they, they trespassed against me. They stole my stuff. They came to the place they didn't belong. And, and man, that's what God's saying right there. That when you think about sin, and we sinned against a perfect God, that we trespass against a perfect God, and do we're in debt because of our sin. Man, there's some good news about this Jesus Christ. It, make, it makes him way more beautiful than when I look at the fact of all the sin in my life and you add all that sin up, that if I sin one day, which I sin way more. So some people say you're not supposed to be personal and talk about yourself as a pastor. I sin way more than today, y'all. Like, I'm talking about, I'm being nice if I was probably under the 100 range. You know what I'm saying? But just one, one sin every day in my life, that's 136 right there times 30. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dang, that's a lot of sin. That's just one. And dude, I'm a sinful person, y'all. Jesus Christ died for all the Tony Dittman sins and all of your sins. And that you're forgiven. And that you're debt-free. That he was your bankruptcy bailout plan. So I do, that is so beautiful. And when I'm praying to God, he's saying, hey, not only am I thanking you for forgiving me for my sins and what Jesus Christ did on that cross, because of his works on that cross, I get to be adopted into your family. Um, we actually, with the Lord's Prayer, pray back to him. And I'm going to forgive the people who sin against me. I've been praying that, and dude, that ain't like something I'm really living out. You know what I mean? Like, I've been praying it for at least 20 years, from 10 up to now. And, and God is asking us to, man, be people who really do live it out and become like Christ. That when he was on the cross, he said, forgive them for they don't know. Like, I think about... Um, Stephen's prayer right before he was he was killed he's praying for the people and dude those who truly do understand forgiveness man they pay it for it they pay it for it and it, I was looking at the the Charleston shooting um happened 2015 and it's three women that survived and they're talking about the forgiveness that they've been preaching ever since then and one woman with tears in her eyes at the trial was like, hey, I forgive you. And they did an interview with her and was like, man, how can you, how can you say that? And she was just explaining, she's like, hey, he showed up to the Bible study. He was quiet. We start the Bible study. We start praying. He pulls out the gun. He kills the pastor. He kills my uh, son and he kills my sister. Like he, he murdered her, her closest people in her life. How can you say you forgive him? And she said, man, my Lord and Savior has forgiven me. And then she starts singing Amazing Grace. I was like, man, that's somebody that get the gospel of Jesus Christ. She's not just, just saying it. She's living it out. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if I truly understand it like that. You know, it's like he murdered her people. And she say, I've been forgiven so much. How can I not forgive him? And then she said something that really just stuck out to me. She's like, forgiveness is twofold. I'm forgiving him, but I can't hold on. I can't hold on to it because it holds me away from my relationship with God, too, because God is forgiving him. And I'm like, dang, now that's deep right there. Um, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only are you forgiven, you're free to release that forgiveness. And the last one, as we bring it home in light of on this passage. Keep flipping. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I put our leader and we're his followers. The beauty and the good news of Jesus Christ, and I always share a little illustration, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, if all of us are guilty of some capital sin in Illinois, and hypothetically we got on a church school bus and we just drove down Halstead 
and we ran over some old lady, um, and we all guilty. We were speeding, going 60 on Halstead, 100% guilty, on a party school bus, church school bus. We show up to court, and all of us, one by one, go up to the judge, and they say, man, are you guilty um, of killing this old lady? And we all respond, yeah, yeah, we guilty. Um, and then the reality of it is, in that courtroom, Jesus Christ gets up, he walks to the front and says, judge, I understand a penalty has to be paid. I understand that. Is it possible that I take the penalty and then my brothers and sisters walk out of here free? And I'm like, man, that he's leading us uh, to the cross. And if you, if you truly do understand that, you walk out of that courtroom and this has become true. You're praying not to be tempted to, to ride another school bus again. You're praying not to be tempted to speed again because of, out of the gratitude of what he does for you. It's like, God, please don't lead me into that because of, I'm just so thankful for what you did for me on the cross. Like, I don't want it anymore. So, um, I mean, that's, that's everything in your life. That's how you, how you love your, your family members. That's how you love your coworkers. That's how you use your computer. That's, that's, how you, that's how you spend your money out of your bank account. All of that's supposed to reflect the fact that, man, you're praying, God, not to be leading you into temptation. Like, temptation of sin. Uh, you running away from him. Uh, you're rebelling against him. So, um, that's right there. But that's just a breakdown of prayer. But, but then... Jesus threw this in there. I'm like, why you do this, Jesus? You know. He's saying, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will the heavenly Father forgive you. It's like, dang. Like, neither will the heavenly Father forgive you. As we just close this and bring this home, y'all, we got to understand the power of forgiveness. And my mind just went to a story in the Bible. And you got the sinful woman. Jesus invited into the Pharisee's house. And he's chilling with the Pharisees. And they all talking. The sinful woman walks into the room. She sits down and bows down to the feet of Jesus. She, she cleans his feet with her perfume and her hair and everything. And they're looking at Jesus like, man, if you really was God, you would know that this is a sinful woman. And dude, he looks at her and says, hey, man, you're forgiven. And he said to them, those who've been forgiven much, love much. Like, like, that's our calling right there. That dude, if you truly have been forgiven, then you will walk out of this room and you will forgive others. If you truly do have a relationship with God, then you will understand that this is just your walkie-talkie, the communication with the God of the universe who loves you on an intimate personal level. He is God. Like, he is king. He is sovereign in all those good things, but he is your father. And because of the death and resurrection of our brother, Jesus Christ, dude, we are part of the fam. And it's not about what you do. You don't have to be like one of those hypocrites that's performing. This is about who you are. You're a son, a daughter, loved by the most high God. So when I look at prayer, when I see a beautiful gospel message in it, a father who loves his, his kids, I see a king a sovereign is going to reign one day on earth and he's going to make all things new. I see, man, somebody that has a will that is perfect and he wants that to be true in your life. I see people that's forgiven beyond anything they can ever imagine. Um, and I see people that truly can walk out of this room and not be tempted and live a holy life that's pleasing to the Lord that you really can't offer as a living sacrifice to the Lord. So um, just walk with the Lord today and I'm going to pray us out. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. 
God, we, we adore the fact that you're a, a mighty and wonderful God, that you love us on an intimate, personal level, that you're in control of all things, that no matter what tomorrow comes, that you know about it, you're in control of it, and you can, you can plan it and do whatever you want to. God, we thank you for, for Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection that, that we get to be adopted into your family. God, I confess that even in my own heart that it's easier for me to get up here and talk for 30 minutes and it's hard for me to pray for 30 minutes, God. But God, I pray that you transform all of our hearts in my heart that we can be people who truly want to be intimate and just have a relationship with you, that we can just dwell with you, that we're not running to yoga, that we're not running to meditation, we're not running to counselors, we're running to you before we run to those things, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Uh-huh.